Welcome to Blockchain Inside. The podcast is co-produced by Purdue Blockchain Lab and CastBox. Our vision is to connect everyone in the blockchain industry and explore the most up-to-date news. We hope that this podcast will be educational, easy to understand, and inspirational for all our listeners. I'm Coach Culbertson. With me is Kimberly Culbertson. And today, we have Todd White back with us for a second episode. Todd, why don't you take a minute and reintroduce yourself and remind us a bit of your story with blockchain. It would be my distinct pleasure. Hello to all, including your listeners, and it's a pleasure to be with you today again. My name is Todd White, Managing Partner with Rulon and White Governance Strategies, and we are a boutique government affairs firm based in Washington, D.C., and we specialize in the internet space things, including blockchain technologies, including focusing in on tokens, ICOs, and what we do is we navigate firms of varying sizes uh, through the regulatory thicket within the SEC and other agencies such as Congress. And that has been an evolving opportunity of different issues relating to the regulatory environment. Todd, I'm really excited to have you back with us uh, because we got to talk about this thing that happened in New York, the consensus meeting. And there was a lot of stuff happening there, but as far as we start to understand, there's a possibility that we're talking about trillions of dollars could be migrating into cryptocurrency. And so I want, is, I want to hear your take on this. Absolutely. Upcoming next month, there is going to be the second, it's either the second or third consensus meeting, and I'll articulate what that is, 2018. It's going to be held May 14th through the 16th, and it's going to be hosted by the New York Hilton in uh, Midtown If uh, for those New Yorkers that want to participate. But the underpinning goal of this meeting is to put in place the Wall Street executives um, with the blockchain executives that are running startups. And there's a lot of deal making uh, during this conference. And that is um, very, very unique. It's uh, the fees um, to participate in this conference range between two and four thousand dollars for a two-day event. And generally, there are a lot of merger acquisition uh, type of conversations and uh, just general deal making. And last year, uh, right around this time, the cryptocurrency market went up in terms of market valuation from $700 million to well over $700 billion during that window of time after the benchmark of this meeting. And this, this consensus meeting is going to be hosted by Coindesk, uh, which is the American brokerage based in San Francisco, California. Wicked cool. So part of what could possibly be happening from, from what I think you said is that we could possibly see investors from Wall Street being able to participate because we got some new funds being created. Talk to us a little bit about Correct. that. Correct. Absolutely. What we're anticipating and seeing this year as the industry is um, beginning to take a more mature tone is that we're hopefully be seeing the Wall Street folk really trying to understand blockchain and uh, possibly there may be acquisitions that take place, as I just earlier mentioned. And not only that, I think what's going to take place is that the Wall Street 
people based on the new funds that are being created to allow regular investors, street investors, to be able to invest into cryptocurrencies, they will be able to have access to alt currencies and, and blockchain type new technologies, which is going to be a first of its kind. And the anticipation is there's going to be a, a mad, I, I, I think that's a bad example or, or word, but a major rush into Bitcoin and some of the other leading uh, blockchain companies. What do you think that? What kind of companies might benefit from from all of all of this? Because obviously the Bitcoin stuff, yes, got that. But are, what are some, yeah. maybe some other ripple effects that we might see from this rush? Well, I think that it's going to bring a, a lot of attention to the blockchain community or ethos. I think it's also going to see a, a market rise and to the, the public diaspora where, you know, I think that there are certain areas of blockchain. I mean, I think Bitcoin generally, what is Bitcoin? A lot of people don't know what, what that term meant and now they do, but now they're going to see at it will begin a whole new transformation of new technologies that are going to emerge. And I think it's just going to put a major spotlight on these type of investments. I, I wouldn't call them investments, but technologies and the opportunity to invest into these technologies, I think, are just going to continue to grow at this inflection point. Sure. Now let's talk tokens. Let's talk about utility tokens versus AML tokens. Can you introduce those different concepts to us? Utility tokens are ECR20 tokens that are kind of out of the sequencing code of Ethereum, one of the alt currencies that are sit on top of the blockchain technology. And they kind of operate like, but I, I would better dare to say, tokens like airplane tokens that you typically would receive. That would be the general definition of a utility token. And what, what about an AML token? What's the difference between those two things? Absolutely. An AML token is typically going to focus on money laundering. It's going to have a lot of inherent uh, mechanisms like Banking Security Act. It's going to have Patriot Act type of mechanisms to protect the uh. investor. And they kind of work in opposite of one another. One is a little bit more open. The AML token is just going to be more based on security. It can be plugged into many different types of industries, which is very exciting. Cool, Ron. Let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, let's go back to the SEC because, you know, obviously they're a big player in this space, you know, potentially. So let's talk a little bit about the, the Historic Securities Act of 1934 and the provision sure. on unregistered companies. Absolutely. You know, what I can tell you is that there's been a history, uh, a recent history with regard to the Securities Act of 1933, which was originally put in place to protect investors from investments that are not registered, that would potentially have a, that would cheat or otherwise fraudulent objective to um, the consumer. And we have to have a Chinese wall to protect our consumers. And so that's why the Securities Act of 1933 has been put in place. And I think we had referenced this in previous conversations. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. as we move forward, the 
The Securities Act of 1933 is a very important provision going forward because it defines what a security is and what it is not. That's an important distinction. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. For for those of us who aren't completely familiar with all of these things, we probably need a lawyer. Can you talk about how law firms' charges and fees are escalating in the midst of all of this blockchain revolution? Just recently, we had uh, two startup firms uh, contact our office, and they were very, very I guess disenfranchised would be the better term, uh, upon reaching out to a law firm uh, here in Washington. And what ended up occurring is that the company was trying to regulate, the startup was trying to regulate, go through the machinations of, you know, uh, adhering to the securities acts of, uh, with their particular alt company. And the law firm had, uh, under Regulation A, uh, there are certain forms. There's a 506 form, A form, and a 507 form. And the law firm had basically filled out the wrong form and charged the client $50,000. No. Oh, no. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And bad day. so they, <laughs> it, it was a very, very bad day. Now, the law firm went back and corrected the issue uh, once it was um, noticed and educated. <laughs> absolutely. But that's the fomenting problem that we're having is we're, we're having a rush of attorneys that are coming into this space and not understanding what the blockchain community, the necessary requirements for registering a particular blockchain company, in fact, is. And that's becoming a major problem as the retainer fees continue to just escalate. I mean, we're, we're anywhere between now, you know, three and $700,000, depending on the type of structuring of company. They're, they're all going to differ, but that's kind of what we're seeing now. So people are wondering why some of these companies are able to dodge the SEC. Tell us a little about your thoughts on that. I mean, if, you know, if you're approved by the SEC, then also maybe how a company could maybe might benefit from that as well. Well, I think that what's going to end up happening, and just this is our analysis only, to dodge the SEC at this juncture, I think would be a very dangerous position to be in. Because what we're seeing now is, um, as of recent, uh, in, in even recent days, are the scrutiny of exchanges, Bittrex, even Coinbase. What the SEC is begin to discuss is delisting certain alt currencies who have not registered as a security. Hmm. And um, on, and under some of the other statutes that are required uh, with regards to regulations. So those unregistered companies, um, I think that they're ultimately not going to sleep well at night. And you are going to put yourself in a position of, of receiving a subpoena uh, by the SEC lawyers. And nobody wants any more of those. <laughs> no, no, no more of those. So one of the keys to being successful is to figure out how the system works. And in crypto, regulations have been a focus. How do you understand how the SEC works and why crypto is not fully regulated yet? Well, it's a confluence of, uh, of issues with regard to we have a very intricate system subdivided by uh, Congress, 
Treasury and the Security Exchange Commission, as we have uh, all learned what that three-letter word is. And the fomenting issue is there are a lot of different guidelines and procedures uh, within the vertical integration of these agencies. And it's throughout from the 1930s on after the 1929 stock market crash. Mm, It's common that the agencies collide in their philosophies and thinking. And this is not uncommon. So it just takes a little figuring out among the agencies and some of the committees that have been formed to take a look at this in study groups. And ultimately, um, this, this, these wrinkles will be ironed out, whereby there will be a very clear, logical waypoint, we hope, in how um, the regulation of these new technologies will be fundamentally overseen. Right, right. So we've been talking a lot about how crypto is being regulated here here in the United States. What about different countries? What can you tell us about what's happening in the international space with all of this? What we've seen is, um, depending on what region of the world we're speaking at, there's been a major rise in South Korea. I think that even China is slowly coming around. I mean, they are building a blockchain city in Western China, even though they've really put a tamp, a, for a lack of a better term, they have you know, threatened any, you know, company to really flourish at this point. But (laughs) I I think that they're going to really uh, embrace blockchain technology. And you're beginning to see a lot of different regulation of their, of, of companies within a given country and their focus on, um, hopefully being a, a guidepost for, the United States markets. And it's uh, unfortunate that a lot of um, international companies or even domestic companies in the United States are moving offshore so that they can flourish because, and that is a an issue that I'm seeing immediately now is a lot of companies are just moving offshore and falling under the guise of other other rules. Uh, that have already been beginning to form. Well, Todd, we are running out of time for this episode. We've packed so much into this conversation. So thank you so much. Before we let you go today, we would love for you to share a way for our listeners to connect with you and possibly if you have any resources for blockchain enthusiasts. Well, I think that there's a lot of resources out here. Uh, I'll open my email up if there are any questions or matters that uh, we can address uh, for those investors that are going to go before the the SEC, our email addresses, or I'll give you mine, uh, is twhite at rulonwhite.com. And our office number is area code 202-505-5404. All right. Awesome. Todd, thank you so much for coming back and hanging out with us again. Thank you very much. And it's been a pleasure to hang out with you. Awesome. All right. Thanks for following up with us today. Blockchain Inside, the podcast is co-produced by Purdue Blockchain Lab and CastBox. Please subscribe to our show on castbox.fm slash blockchain lab and leave a comment there if you have any questions. I'm Coach Culbertson. With me is Kimberly Culbertson. And thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time.